Welcome to our second day of looking at The Chosen, season one. And we'll be looking at episode two today of season one. Just a little note as everybody starts to gather, um, I put it in the comments, but I do have a newsletter type of subscription. If you want to subscribe to that Substack link over there on the right, that will, um, I write there occasionally, I write weekly on Integrated Catholic Life, but Substack will be occasionally where I write other things and kind of keep you up to date with other projects. So if you want to subscribe, that link's over there. If you want to subscribe to this YouTube channel, that helps me out a lot. Um, I need subscribers to do more live streams. And the more subscribers I have, as I've found with 3-Minute Theology, the more the videos are the videos get out. So um, if you can subscribe to YouTube, that would be great as well. So I'm going to give people a few more minutes to gather. I know a lot of people are actually watching this um, not live, but, um, you know, in the archives too. So and I know this might not be a good time for some people to join us live. And so I've heard already from some people who watched last uh, yesterday's, they watched it last night. So um, whether you're watching this live and you can join us in the chat or whether you're watching this um, archived and you can comment or shoot me, you know, a direct a message on Instagram. I love to hear your feedback and what you, if you have questions or what you thought about the chosen. So we're going to start with prayer and then we're going to jump into Season one, episode two. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Um, I'm assuming everybody can hear me, and we're not having technical difficulties, because I think you would all say stuff in the chat if I was just a talking head. So, hopefully you can hear so today's episode, well, the episode we're going to look at today, not necessarily today's episode, because if you are a follower of The Chosen, you know that tonight is um, episode four of season two, which is really exciting. But we're going to take it slow. We're only looking at season one right now. So we're going to be looking at season one, episode two. And um, for those of you who just jumped on, I have a link in the, um, the chat over there that if you want to subscribe to Substack, you can get my writing and keep up to date with my other projects there. I'm also on all the social medias. So Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all that. But anyway, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Substack. Let's talk about episode four. So, or sorry, episode two. So um, in episode two, we focus a lot on Shabbat. Um, now, those of us who weren't raised in the Jewish faith, um, it may take us a little bit to realize that Shabbat is the Sabbath. So I think in the Catholic circles, we talk, we use the word Sabbath a lot more than Shabbat. But that's what we're, we're going to call it Shabbat today. Um, but we're talking about the Sabbath celebrations. So the episode opens. I talked about yesterday how so often the episodes open with either a flashback or um, an Old Testament reference. And today we kind of get an, I could have missed it. I haven't really researched why they chose this time and this place to kind of have the flashback. So if somebody knows, throw it in the comments. Um, but they, we have this kind of Old Testament, but not direct Old Testament reference um, to the praying of a certain prayer at the beginning of Shabbat, at the beginning of Sabbath. And that is the Eshet Hail. Now, I, my Hebrew is probably pretty bad, so um, I'm actually going to throw it in the chat here because it's interesting to read about. Um, 
you'll see it spelled a couple different ways, but the Eshet Hail is Proverbs 31, essentially. It's the prayer to the wom- a woman of valor. And so you'll hear it both here at the beginning of the chosen, but then you'll also hear it at the end, right? When they all pray it together. And it would be when the first star comes out Friday night, that's when Shabbat would begin. And so you'd have a Friday night dinner. Um, Now, I live in a building with a lot of Jewish men and women. And Friday night dinner is the big thing. Um, Still, I mean, that's still how they begin their Sabbath, even if they're not necessarily strict, conservative, um, you know, observant Orthodox Jews that, you know, don't drive on the Sabbath and things like that. Like if you go to the Holy Land and you stay in a hotel on the Sabbath, you'll get in the Sabbath elevator and the Sabbath elevator stops at every floor so that you don't have to push the button because that would be working on the Sabbath. So, I mean, there's varying degrees, right, of Jews today, how they observe the Sabbath. Um, The Jews in my building do, they they push the elevator buttons. Um, But at the same time, they still keep a lot of these traditions. And Friday night dinner is a big thing that begins the Sabbath. So, um, so Friday at night, the um, Eshehail, the the praise of woman would be prayed. It's traditionally sung before the Friday night meal. And we can find a version of it in Proverbs 31. It's this, this, um, this praise of the woman. Now, there's a couple different reasons they would do this. Um, number one, the Messiah would come from a woman, right? So they're all waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the, the line of David, the line of Judah to produce the Messiah. And the woman is the continuation of the line, right? So the the Jewish faith passes through the mother, passes through the line of the woman. Um, If she's preserved the home to be a Jewish home, the woman has prepared the meal. She's prepared the home. She's, she's worked hard. We see this with Mary Magdalene in this episode. She's worked hard to prepare the Sabbath meal to prepare um, that time so that we could rest on on Saturday. So we could rest on Shabbat. And so I love that um, that Dallas really highlights this Eshahel, which many of us might not be familiar with, but this praise of woman. I love what a role women play in The Chosen. And we see it throughout this season one, and we're going to see it in season two. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Peter's wife, whom Dallas has named Eden, uh, Mother Mary, we're going to see coming up in episode five. The woman who brings the paralyzed man, we're going to see later in the season. And then, of course, the Samaritan woman. So we really have this, this importance of woman. And I love that the chosen, I love that Dallas has cho- has chosen to, to highlight this. So if you have any thoughts, comments, again, put them in that live chat because I I want it to be more of a conversation. So I would love to hear what you um, what you think about that as well. And Christina, absolutely. Um, Luke is really the gospel that highlights a lot of the faith of the women. And so you're right. He has a, a, a very Luke vibe in that way that he is really highlighting the women who follow Jesus as well. Um, we have a little bit more of Matthew in this this episode. Now, Matthew is depicted in The Chosen as have, being on the spectrum, as having um, being on that Asperger's autism spectrum. And when Dallas has been asked about this, he um, he has personal family connections with um, with with people with autism, and so he wants to highlight this idea that Matthew, I mean, we don't know, right? We have no way of knowing, but what Dallas noticed was that, um, again, he, his own experience with people on the spectrum, he noticed that Matthew's gospel is more detail oriented than the others. 
And so he just is kind of throwing it out there that what if Matthew was on the spectrum? Um, he would be a detail oriented. He's the numbers guy. Um, but he also is kind of beautifully unaware of social expectations. We see that come out in this episode with um, his dealings with Quintus. He, in a beautiful way, is just... Um, in a sense, he's the apostle without guile. You know, we haven't met Nathaniel yet. We'll meet him in season two. Um, but he's sort of this, like, he kind of says what he what he, what he he thinks, right? And in a sense, he's just like this childlike, um, beautifully unaware of, of social expectations, I think. Um, and so Matthew's really won the heart of a lot of viewers of The Chosen. Um, people really have really gravitated towards Matthew. Again, I mentioned this yesterday, but Dallas really wanted to show that the apostles each had their own story and each had their own personality. So often he pointed out, we think of Peter and Judas and the other 10, but who were these men that followed Christ? And so he's, he's choosing to portray Matthew in this way to remind us that we all have our own journey. We all have our own story and God uses all of us as instruments. He doesn't just use the one that society has decided is the most well-spoken or the prettiest or the wealthiest or the most accepted, right? God uses all of us in varying ways. He calls all of us, regardless of um, of what we carry and what we have in our past. I um, We find out that Matthew's been disowned, right? We find out that he's been rejected. Um, it's a reminder that Matthew's seen as a traitor to his his family, right? He's seen a tra as a traitor to his, to his Jewish um, family and his Jewish community. Again, I mentioned it yesterday, but he's clean shaven. He dresses as a Roman. He's stuck really between these two cultures, right? The Romans aren't going to accept him as a Roman, right? The soldiers still see him as a Jew, um, but the Jews certainly aren't going to accept him. And we see that so painfully when he desires to eat Shabbat with his family, right? He desires to eat Shabbat with his family, but he's out Outside, literally, he's outside eating with his pet dog. Um, and so there's that painful isolation that Matthew has. Matthew's searching for a place. He's searching for a place, a family. Um, he's searching for love in a, in a very obvious way. And so we're going to follow that storyline with Matthew. We have Mary Magdalene. Um, Mary Magdalene is... I, this is one of the, I think, the the, the most um, memorable lines when Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is thrown into this tailspin, right? He doesn't understand how Mary has been cured. Because remember, he says, it, you know, it would require this, it would require God to heal her, right? Only God could heal her. And now he gets news that she has been healed. And so it really throws him into this tailspin. And so there's this beautiful encounter with Mary and Nicodemus, and it, it gives um, way to one of the most memorable quotes of season one, right? I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. Um, I still just get chills just even thinking about that. Mary Magdalene, we call her, I think I mentioned yesterday, the apostle to the apostles, that um, she is the apostle of the resurrection to the apostles. But here Dallas is beautifully depicting her as an apostle to Nicodemus, right? Um, with that great line, like she is giving the gospel in a way she doesn't even know yet. She is giving the gospel to Nicodemus. That is evangelization right there. If I had to give a 30 second snippet of what it means to evangelize, that is the line. 
Mary Magdalene doesn't even know Jesus's name, but she knows she's been changed and she is speaking that truth, right? She's preaching that gospel. That's evangelization. And that's what we're all called to do, right? How has God changed your life? It's not about necessarily memorizing scripture. It's not necessarily about memorizing definitions. It's not about memorizing the catechism. It's about speaking the way God has acted in your life and how he's changed your life. Yes. Do we need to read the catechism? Do we need to read scripture? Do we need? Yes, of course. But we are spurred to do that by this experience of Christ. And we are spurred to tell our neighbor, my life is better because I know Jesus Christ. My life has been changed because I know Jesus Christ. That's evangelization. And we see it here so beautifully with Mary Magdalene. She doesn't even know Jesus's name, but she knows that she's been changed. She knows, and she'll never forget that. She'll never forget that. So I want to take a little moment to talk a little bit about the Pharisees. So um, the Pharisees are obviously going to play a big role in this show, obviously. I mean, if you've read the Gospels, you know, that's not a spoiler. Um, we have this character of Nicodemus, who's a leading Pharisee, teacher of teachers, rabbi. Um, but I want to speak a little bit about the Pharisees because to today, today, it's too easy to let our perception of the Pharisees be twisted um, by our knowledge of the end of the story. Okay, so um, we know that the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees are also um, are, are all in opposition to Jesus. Right. So they're all in opposition to Jesus. And that taints our idea of the Pharisees. I heard a homily one time where the priest commented that when the Pharisees come on the scene, when we're, when we hear a scripture story and the Pharisees come on the scene, we start in, um, you know, the, the Imperial March starts playing in our head from star Wars, right? Dun, 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 right. These are the bad guys in our minds, right? We need to purge ourselves of that. We need to purge ourselves of that thought because it clouds our understanding of the situation at the time of Jesus. So who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the strict observers of the Jewish law. And the Pharisees were seen as a, the holiest group of men because they were strict observers of the law. And this is why Jesus's opposition, Jesus's harsh words, he has really harsh words for the Pharisees, right? Um, you know, whitewashed tombs, brood of vipers, like these harsh words would have been shocking, shocking because the Pharisees, were the holiest group of Jews at the time. The word Pharisee comes from the Aramaic word for separated. And so the Pharisees observed a strict approach to purity, to food laws, um, to purity laws. They separated themselves because they didn't want the Jewish faith contaminated by foreign influence. Now, if, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see why. When, when the Jewish faith was contaminated by foreign influence, it was a disaster. It meant infidelity. Um, it meant essentially they would compare it to adultery, right? Betrayal of the covenant. You know, the Jews allowed themselves to marry foreign wives. Look at Solomon. It's a disaster. I'm reading Second Kings right now. Oh my gosh. Like people talk about like, be careful reading scripture from the beginning of the end. Cause you'll get stuck in Leviticus. No, you won't. You'll get stuck in second Kings. It's, it's a disaster. It's like all these names and all these Kings and all they are is unfaithful to the Lord. It's terrible, right? 
So they get swayed by their foreign neighbors. They get swayed by foreign wives and they start worshiping idols. And you can see the Pharisees don't want this to happen. Why? Because when this happens, it's a disaster for the Jewish people. They're punished. When the Jewish people betray purity laws, when they betray the Sabbath, when they betray the covenant of the Lord, what happens? They get taken into exile. Why are they in, why are the Romans occupying Israel in, in Judah? Because they've been unfaithful, right? This is the message of the Old Testament. So you think of like Nicodemus preaching, you know, the fish caught on the Sabbath will defile you. That's why, right? Um, because these laws were everything to them. They gave them their identity because they had been given to them by the Lord and they wanted to be faithful. So the Pharisees are not the bad guys. The Pharisees at that time are the good guys. And that's why Jesus's condemnation of them is so shocking. Okay. So we have to kind of put that so often we misunderstand what's happening in scripture because we don't have our Jewish glasses on. We have our 21st century American glasses on, and that's a problem. Okay, so Nicodemus, one thing. So there's a couple things here I want to kind of flesh out. Um, if you remember, Nicodemus was preaching, you know, if you eat fish caught on the Sabbath, that will defile you. And what does he say? The Messiah won't come until we purge ourselves of this. And you can see why they might believe this, because it's based on their history, right? When Israel betrays the covenant, they're not rewarded they're punished. They go into exile by Assyria. They go into exile by Babylon. They're occupied. They're occupied by the Greeks. They're occupied by the Romans, right? So you don't want to fall into the trap um, that we... So so what Nicodemus is doing is falling into this trap of thinking we can earn the Messiah. Okay? Does that make sense? So there's kind of two, co- two sides to this coin. Um, we want to be faithful to the covenant. That's important, Right? Sabbath rest, that's important. Purity laws given to you by God, that's important to the Jews, right? We don't want to make light of these things. We don't want to fall into the trap that this is what earns us the Messiah, that the Messiah is not going to come for us until we do X, Y, Z, until we're perfect. What what does Jesus say? I come not for sinners, right? The doctor doesn't come. I'm sorry, I come for sinners, I come, the doctor doesn't come for the healthy. The doctor comes for the sick, right? Um, And so we can't fall into that trap of God will only come when we're good enough, right? And so that's what Nicodemus is falling into in that homily of his, right? That's exactly what Jesus comes to dispel. He comes for Mary. He comes for Matthew. He comes for Nicodemus, right? So we want to make sure that we kind of hold intention The Pharisees were trying to do what was right. They were trying to obey the law because they realized that when we betray the law, when we betray the covenant, that's a grievous sin that brings us terrible curses, right? That's the cycle of the Old Testament, the sin cycle. If those of you might be doing the podcast, um, the Bible in the year, that's Jeff Caven's big thing. It's also in the chosen Bible study. Um, it's the sin cycle, right? So that's what the Old Testament is, that that God, Israel's faithful, they're rewarded, they get lax, they get unfaithful, they get punished, right? The judges come or the kings come or the prophets come to set them back on track. Um, so we sin, we go our own way, we get set back on track, we get complacent, we fail, 
we get punished, right? So it's a big cycle. It's not just the Old Testament. It's 2021, right? It's my life. Welcome to my life. Okay. So, so we want to understand that the Pharisees are not the bad guys. Um, and, and yes, Brandy, absolutely. So he doesn't come because we're good. He doesn't come because we're ready for him. Um, at the same time, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be good, right? That doesn't mean we shouldn't obey the laws, okay? So when you hear Jesus scolding these men, we have to realize how shocking his words were. And again, we miss that sometimes because we have in our mind, the Pharisees are the bad guys. The Pharisees were seen as the holiest. And so when Christ is, is, is condemning them, condemning their behavior, that would have been shocking. Okay. They were the best observers of the law. They were popular among the people. The people loved the Pharisees. Okay. They would have looked up to them. Okay. So why did Jesus condemn the Pharisees? Well, it's not because they were strict observers of the law. He's not saying you shouldn't obey the law. He's saying, where's your heart in obeying the law? Their outward appearance their, their, their rigorous acceptance of the law, of purity laws, of separation was not matched by an interior devotion, right? Their heart didn't match their actions. They were focused on observing the rules, which isn't a bad thing in and of itself. But they neglected to live the spiritual lives that the rules were intended to foster, right? The rules are intended to serve outward spiritual action, right? Inward spiritual devotion. It's not just supposed to mean, you know, just obey these rules, right? Hypocrites, absolutely, right? And so that's why he condemns them. Not because they're obedient, but because they're hypocrites. They're unable to open their hearts to the possibility, as we see, that Jesus, that the Messiah might be other than they expect. And we'll see that really play up with Shmuel, who I can never say his name, as well as the actor who plays Nicodemus, Um he, you know, we'll see that with him, right? He's unwilling to be open to the surprises of God. Okay. Um, so that's kind of some stuff with the Pharisees that I want you to keep in mind as you're watching the show. Um, and as you're, you're watching them, um, they're really trying, but they're failing. And that really plays into the whole Shabbat. So um, when we look at the Sabbath, I love the way this episode ends with the different Sabbaths. And so if you notice anything in particular, and Christina, I am going to comment um, on Mary, but if you notice anything, anything that you really liked about the various Shabbats. So we actually see four types kind of, of Shabbats. So put in the comments if you notice anything or if you have questions about any of these four. Um, it's almost impossible to emphasize how important the Sabbath was for the Jewish people. Um, this day of rest. Again, when the Jews neglected the Sabbath, we see it again and again in the Old Testament. When they neglect the Sabbath, they're punished. They've lost their identity. The Sabbath gives the Jewish people their identity to rest, to honor the Lord. Um, it's not that um, we need rest. And of course we need rest, right? Everybody needs rest. We all need to take that break for self-care, whatever. The point of the Sabbath is not just for me to have rest. The point of the Sabbath is for me to give glory to God in the virtue of religion. Um, we give God what is due to him. He deserves every day, but we get we set aside the seventh day um, of rest. So the Sabbath really gave the Jewish people their identity. It would have set them apart. It would have reminded them of the covenant. It's where they, they, they pledge again to keep holy the covenant, to keep true to the covenant. We find the instruction in Deuteronomy 5 
12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your manservant or your maidservant or your ox or your ass or any of your cattle or your the sojourner who is within your gates, that your manservant and your maidservant may rest as well as you. You shall remember, it was a day of remembering who you are. You shall remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt. You were a servant in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out thence with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep holy the Sabbath day. Remember what the Lord has done for you and give him honor and give him glory that he is due. Okay, so it's impossible to 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 overemphasize how important the Sabbath was. It was a day of rest. It was a day of no work. Um, So we have four different Sabbaths um, here. I'm going to read some of your comments. Absolutely, Brandy. So Brandy points out, you know, those people who just try to follow the letter of the law um, and they wonder why they don't feel happy or joyful, but they're just following the letter of the law rather than uniting their hearts with that with that behavior. Absolutely. Um, Okay, Christina, I'll comment on both of those, too. So we have four different Sabbaths. um, And I say four, you don't really see Eden. So Eden and Andrew are going to celebrate. But I love that comment that Eden makes it's, it's definitely a um, sarcastic comment that she makes to Pierre. Would you like me to take a, to, would you like me to make a Shabbat plate to take with you? Um, that was pure sap- wifely sarcasm. Um, she is not happy. You do not eat your Sabbath dinner while you're working. You do not eat your Sabbath dinner outside the home. You eat your Sabbath dinner together with your family, with the ritual prayers. So I hope nobody uh, missed that little comment. That was a wifely, sarcastic, not happy comment on Eden's part. Would you like me to take a, make a Shabbat plate to take with you? Um, so we have the Shabbat of Nicodemus and it's really juxtaposed. So we have Matthew's Shabbat, right? Where he's, he's eating alone. He's eating by himself. He's not able to really celebrate Shabbat with his family. Um, we have very different Shabbats. So we have the outward appearance, the perfect ritual Shabbat, right? Nicodemus's. Um, did you catch the people that said, um, Oh dear, get the, get the seat at the head of the table, right? A little nod to um, Jesus's parable later, right? To, to look at the lowest seat and then be invited forward later. Um, those, so that's a little scriptural, uh, little scriptural wink. Um, so Nicodemus is his perfect ritual perfection. But did you notice his wife even said something like, um, you know, let's just do it to get it over with, or let's just do it. We'll do it quickly. Um, kind of hinting at that idea that like, it has to look right. It has to be right. Um, but let's just do it. Right. Um, but then we have Mary's right. And I love Mary. So as Christina pointed out, you know, Mary invites the blind, Mary invites good old Barnaby, who is so socially awkward. He's the, I, Barnaby's one of those people that I really love. He's one of my favorite characters, but would I love him in real life? <laughs> I don't know. Would I invite him to my Shabbat? I don't know. Um, Barnaby, I love when Barnaby uh, makes that comment about Nazareth. If you watch, Jesus winks at him. And I love it. I love thinking that Jesus is, is a winker. Um, so Mary invites the people that Jesus would invite, right? 
She invites her friends, her friends who are not socially acceptable. So Christina, you said, why does Mary not know what she's doing? Um, I think it's a tip. It's a, it's a nod to the fact that Mary's been possessed for so long. She wouldn't have celebrated Shabbat. She wouldn't have had an active prayer life. Um, She was living in the red quarter. She was not celebrating Shabbat. Um, She was not living an active Jewish lifestyle. Um, And so that idea that like, they're, they're all excited for Mary at the hairdresser, right? This is the first time in so long. I mean, it could have been Mary's first Shabbat since she was a little girl. And think of all those people that you may know that, um, you know, haven't been back to mass because they've thought they've separated themselves from the church. They don't need the church. They don't feel worthy. They're in irregular marriages. You know, what would happen if we just said, why don't you come to mass with me this week? You know, just sit in the pew, don't receive communion, just sit next to me, ask me any questions, but I'd love for you to join me. Um, there, there are lots of people in our lives maybe that haven't been back to mass since they were little. So welcome them back. So I think that's Mary. Um, you know, Mary doesn't really know what she's doing, but I love, um, I love how her heart is there. And that's kind of, as we wrap up that idea that, um, that Mary made, be messing up the lines, right? She saves a chair for Elijah, which is um, in Passover, right? Um, And it's beautiful because that idea of Elijah saving a chair for Elijah in Passover is um, connected to that coming of the Messiah. So at the end of Passover, they open the doors and they, they are waiting for the Messiah. And they're like, you know, next year, Jerusalem, like we're going because the Messiah is going to come. And I love how the Messiah comes to her Sabbath and sits in that chair for Elijah. It's really beautiful. Um, I loved Mary's. Um, yes. Waiting for Jesus to heal the blind woman. That idea that, um, you know, maybe Jesus hasn't come to heal everyone. So why doesn't he heal Shula and kind of dealing with that? We'll deal with that in season two as well. Um, with little James, um, you know, why does Jesus heal some and not others? Why doesn't he heal Shula that night? So we look at, um, you know, I think Mary's Shabbat dinner is that perfect illustration. Was it perfect ritually? No. Did it look perfect? No. Did she have unclean people at her table? Yeah. Was her heart there? Yes. And in the Old Testament, we see God repeatedly telling the Jews, like, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your rituals. What does he mean by that? Right? Like, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And you're like, but you're the one that wrote all these rules. You're the one that outlined all these rules. What do you mean you don't want sacrifice? And what he means is he wants the sacrifice to start here, right? He wants our sacrifices, but he wants them united with heart and a heart. Um, He condemns in the Old Testament fasts and Sabbath rest that isn't united to the heart. And so here we have so beautifully Mary's Sabbath dinner that is really a Sabbath dinner after our Lord's own heart, as we can see, because he himself comes. He comes to her dinner and it was perfect, right? Um, Because he made it perfect. I also love the fact that he still let, that he let her lead it. And just that ultimately, gentlemen, this is your house. You will lead Shabbat. He always empowers us. He always invites us. He always lifts us up. Um, And I, that's, yeah. So I loved Mary's dinner. Um, so the idea of Shabbat, um, your homework today is to think about how can you better celebrate 
um, not Shabbat, but the Lord's day on Sunday, you know, have you kind of started neglecting your Sabbath rest, your Sunday rest? You know, do you do unnecessary work on Sunday? Do you try to do all your work throughout the week so you can really have leisure on Sunday? Again, it's not just that we need that day off. It's that the Lord deserves our worship. We have to remember our dependence on him. Um, we think of the, the Israelites when they're wandering in the desert and the manna was gathered each day. They were given enough on on Friday to have it for Saturday. Um, they had to show that dependence. I trust in the Lord. So daily, they couldn't gather more than they needed. If they did, it rotted, right? So on Monday, there was this temptation maybe to hoard enough for the rest of the week, but it would rot. They only gathered what they needed each day. But on Friday, they gathered for Friday and Saturday. They gathered for the Sabbath. That dependence on the Lord, that trust in him. We, he will take care of us if we take the day and give it to him. So just kind of a challenge to think, how can I do that better on my Sundays? How can I do that better um, on, in, my own, in my own rest? Am I giving that to the Lord? Um, Brandy absolutely made me cry too. So I, it's really hard for me. Um, I'm not usually a crier at... TV shows and movies. And I cry almost every episode of the chosen at some point. Um, it's just, it's, I think it's so poignant also then to kind of think who am I in this scene? Who am I? What would I have done in this, in this scene? And to realize that Christ has come for me as well. Um, so I just want to end by looking and I love all your conversation. Um, Sunday dinner is great too. So you can make Sunday dinner. Um, that's, that's a, like, that's an okay, that's an okay work. Cause you're feeding the hungry. Um, but I want to look at, um, the very last scene. And this is something I didn't catch until maybe the fifth watch. And I watched it with a friend. So the very last scene ends very differently than the first episode. So the first episode, we have this very heartwarming, um, tear jerking moment with Mary Magdalene and Jesus. The second episode ends with Peter evocatively leading Roman soldiers by torchlight into the darkness to go betray fellow Jews. Um, is that a reminder to us of Judas leading Roman soldiers by torchlight to betray his Lord? Um, is, is Peter kind of falling into kind of this passionate, I think I know better. I'm going to disobey the commands of the Lord by dishonoring the Sabbath because I think I know better. Um, and will Judas fall into that same trap? So I didn't think of it until I watched it with a friend um, on, again, on my fifth or sixth watch. And he was like, it's Judas in the garden of Gethsemane. So whether the filmmakers intended that or not, just to remember Peter, don't go back on your own. Don't go, don't rest on your own, um, you know, your own plans. Peter's always trying in this, in this, these couple seasons, these couple episodes to make his own way, right? To, to, to not rely on the Lord as the Sabbath calls us to, to depend on the Lord. Um, so thank you for joining. We're going to end with that. Um, rely on the Lord, trust in the Lord, depend on the Lord. And the Sabbath will um, be an ev be, be, should, should come out of that desire, should, should be a manifestation of that. Um, to trust in his plans and to trust in his care for you. So thanks for joining. I am going to, before we leave, um, although some of you may have already hopped off, I'm just going to put in the comments here a couple quote, a couple links. The first link I put at the very beginning. Um, I hope that came through. I bet it didn't. Um, 
So let's see. Let's see if I can do that. That's better. So um, here we go. So a couple a couple links here. Um, the first one is Substack. See if that comes through. The first one is Substack. That's my newsletter that you can subscribe to to get updates, to know what's happening, what's going on, and some of my writing. The next one is Patreon, Joan M. Watson. If you want to support me as I start to get on my feet and start to start speaking throughout the country, thank you to those people who have supported me so far. Um, even just yesterday, shout out to my new supporters. So thank you very much for that. Um, also, one perk with Patreon, if you give it a certain level, I'll be doing Bible studies um, this way. And that's only those will only be open to my Patreon supporters. Um, I'll do at least one a month for um, this way, an hour looking at some um, book of the Bible, some theme and whatnot. So you'll get exclusive right uh, exclusive links to those. And then that's the, the link to tomorrow's live stream where we're going to look at season one, episode three, which is a short episode but um, a fan favorite. Lots of people like episode three. So I will see you back here tomorrow. God bless.